We're going to pray one more time and see if God opens a door to go overseas because that was our heart, our desire individually and then as a couple, as a family. And God opened the opportunity with Samaritan's Purse. Each moment, each each time we're moving or something, that, that God provides that peace and confirmation for the whole family. Welcome back to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to Daniel and Jessica Ruiz. Some of you might know them as they have served in several different capacities in several different countries. And Daniel has served for over seven years. It's just exciting to hear their story, their testimony, and the way the Lord has led and guided their family throughout the many years. And they will be moving to Liberia as Daniel will be the country director starting in May. It's a joy and a privilege to hear their surrendered hearts and the way that the Lord has led them over the past few years and prepared them to serve in Liberia. So I'm Daniel Ruiz, Mm -hmm. uh, and this September will be uh, seven years with the ministry, with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, My first assignment with the organization was in Niger uh, as the program development officer. Uh, And then it's been a long journey from there until today. Mm-hmm. And were you guys married this whole time and you're with him? Yeah, we had been married five years, yeah. I think, by then. And our kids were, our son was one and our daughter was two and a half when wow. we moved to Niger. Wow. And so you took them with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How long did you live there? Uh, about a year and a half. Okay. And uh, I don't know, we may get to this later on if you'd like, but um, I think it's kind of interesting. We actually met in Niger. Uh, we were both serving with a, a mission agency and uh, she was there two years, and I was there kind of on an internship. Uh, she was actually my boss. And uh, so that's actually where we met, and it, it was it was uh, really neat to go back mm-hmm. to Niger as a family serving with Samaritan's Purse. Um, gosh, probably seven years after we had met, met there. I love it when God does that. Yeah. Writes your story without you even seeing where it's going to go. And that was my other question. You know, what— I guess, did you do prior to working with Samaritan's Purse? And when did you feel the call for full-time mission, ministry? Sounds like you had already been serving before that. We So we met, we were doing uh, church planting and evangelism um, in Niger, eastern Niger, very impoverished area. Uh, and we saw a need for meeting people's physical needs. You know, it's it's difficult to go and share the gospel with someone and say, I see you in this great need. Um, I don't really have anything physically for you, but let me share the gospel. And there's a time and place for that, certainly. Mm-hmm. But we we had a desire to figure out a way where we could meet people's physical needs and through that share the gospel and, and uh, build those relationships. So um, there's, you know, it was, a, it was a journey from when we met, got married. Uh, I went to do my master's at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville. Um, we were in the process to to go with a mission agency. Doors just weren't opening. And uh, and so we actually stayed in Louisville after I, I graduated with my master's and worked in refugee resettlement for a couple years um, before we just kind of hit this this point in in our life where we're like, okay, we're going to pray one more time and see if God opens a door to go overseas, because that was our heart, our desire individually, and then as a couple, as a family, and God opened the opportunity with Samaritan's Purse in Niger. So anything you want to add on that? 
No, yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely just a desire of ours from, you know, I knew when I married a man, I wanted to live overseas and do God's work. And so, um, yeah, it was frustrating at times in that waiting period. Mm-hmm. But now we definitely feel the Lord going before us every step of the way, um, mm-hmm. even in giving our kids peace with it. So mm-hmm. it's definitely um, a blessing. Mm-hmm. And so since that initial trip, I know you've served other places around the world with Samaritan's Purse. Can you share maybe where you've been led since then? Yeah. So we were in Niger for about a year and a half um, when the the European refugee and migrant crisis kicked off. Um, I guess that was like mid-2015. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always had a, a strong desire to minister in the Muslim world uh, and share the gospel uh, in, in a Muslim context. So... I was very interested in that that movement of people out of difficult, closed countries into Europe. Um, and so obviously Samaritan's Purse started responding uh, through a DART, a disaster response. Um, and I had the opportunity, actually I was going to go serve as PDO for the DART. Um, Aaron Ashoff was the regional director of West Africa. He kind of hired me into to Niger and then um, he was there in Greece, and so I said, hey, I'll, I'll volunteer three weeks, uh, go cover PDO stuff, and then head back to Niger. So I was flying in. Before I even got to Athens, they are like, hey, you know, let's, we're going to send you out to the island, Lesbos. That's where all the influx is happening. And when I got there, they said, we don't need PDO. We need someone to be an area coordinator. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what an area coordinator does, but I'm willing. I'm here. And uh, so it was a wild uh, three weeks, three or four weeks, and it was it was an amazing opportunity serving those refugees that were coming uh, from war, from from persecution, and I just felt very clearly like that's where I wanted to be in that. And um, so we were we had moved to Niger with the intent to be there kind of long term, you know, five, ten years, whatever. And uh, so it took a little convincing of uh, on her side that I felt like that's where God was kind of moving us. Um, so went back and probably about a month, two months, we were moving to Greece with the family. Um, yeah, so we were in Greece for that response uh, a little over a year and a half. And that started to wind down the the Samaritan's Purse operation. Um, so started praying, you know, what's next? We wanted to stay overseas. D- didn't Weren't looking to come back to the States necessarily. Um, but an opportunity opened up to, to come back here to headquarters uh, and work as the regional manager. Um, and then after about two years here, you know, we, were, we wanted to be back overseas at some point and felt like there was a window with our kids where if we stayed, you know, it's like the longer you stay, the more rooted you become and the more difficult it could be to uproot. Uh, and so Hurricane Dorian hit. And I had the opportunity to go. I was actually in Charlotte handing my passport over the ticket counter to go to Baghdad and visit the team in northern Iraq. And I got a call from, uh, I guess, Aaron maybe said, turn around, you're going to the Bahamas. Go come back up the mountain, repack, and went went to, uh, to Abaco in the Bahamas to respond there and just felt, again, like uh, God was open in that door. Our desire was still to serve in the field, and there was an opportunity to to serve in that that rebuild process. Um, so yeah, we've we've just coming off of uh, about a year and a half 
in the Bahamas. Wow, that's incredible. So Jessica, talk to me about, because I know what it's like to have a spouse that that goes and, you know, I'm usually the sender and I stay home. He sees this firsthand and I think that's a little easier for the Lord to change your heart. You kind of surrendered and said, Lord, this is where we're going. And you thought it was long-term. And so I imagine it had to be a little hard on your heart and just, okay, God. Um, So here he goes and now gets called somewhere else. How did the Lord prepare your heart? And was it right away as well? Or did it take some time? Yeah, definitely from the move from Niger to Greece, that was harder. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, we loved it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the African context, and that's where I felt like God had first called me to the mission field. Mm-hmm. And so I had a lot of even local ministry that I was able to mm-hmm. be a part of there. And so I didn't want to just leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but we prayed about it, and He definitely showed me, like, it's not just the place all the time, but it's sometimes mm-hmm. it's the ministry. And I can definitely see how— using Daniel's like different gifts and strengths, like the job he was doing in Niger wasn't using him to his full capacity. Um, and so making that move to Greece was a broadening experience for him and then for the family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely feel like each moment, each each time we're moving or something that, that God provides that peace and confirmation for the whole family. Um, I've never felt like we were dragged around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where, I, and that's, the beauty of both of you, it's like we, I love people that are fully surrendered to the Lord, you know, and their hands are open and they're just, okay, Lord, yes, Lord, send me. Um, even if it's not your plan, he, you allow him to change your heart. And I think we all need to be that way. You know, Lord, is this where you want me? Do you want me to do something else? Because I think, like you said, once you start building roots and you get almost comfortable and complacent, it's harder to leave. And so I I can kind of, we lived, you know, in the military for so long, so we actually never got to get those roots. And I kind of liked it because you almost were used to, okay, after two years, where are we going next, Lord? And that's my fear if we ever do start planting. And we're very, God, whatever you want. We're not looking at this forever. It's as long as God wants us. But that's why I love... I love missionaries. I love people that are just soft and their hearts are inclined toward Him. But I know it requires, uh, what's the word? Daily dying to yourself and surrendering to yourself. So can you talk to me about even just how do you stay surrendered together as a family? I mean, I think for us as a family, like having— met overseas, mm-hmm. like that is like the foundation of our marriage, like mm-hmm. having a broader worldview right. than like just the local church mm-hmm. and the needs around it. And so like, we've always seen the needs around the world, but then also we have the Bible as our foundation. Mm-hmm. And so we do feel that, you know, compelling push to to share the gospel and to meet physical mm-hmm. needs. Um, and we express that with our children very often. Um, like we try to ask them, like, why are we here? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And and laying that before them. Um, like, mm-hmm. we're very open with them about, like, we were in Greece because there's this war and these families were mm-hmm. bombed out of their houses. And and so, like, just being open and honest with them about it. And if you were to ask them, most of the time they're, eh, our son is a little airheaded at times and he'll forget. But ultimately it comes down to, like, this is what God wants our family to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that's just who he, what, he, what he's done with our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love what you said earlier, you know, it's not the place, but it's the ministry. And and we are all called as Christians, you know, to take the gospel 
to the ends of the earth, wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk to me about ministering in so many different cultures and so many different needs? Because like you said, in one, it was refugees coming. It was in one, it was a hurricane, you know, a natural disaster. So each need was even different, but how did the gospel remain the same? Yeah, I mean, at, at the core, the the need is for people to hear about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't change, you know, no matter where you are or what the physical need is. Um, I, you know, it has become cliche to some, I know, but as Kenny, you know, likes to say, the, the quality of our work is the platform of our witness. And uh, maybe sometimes to a fault, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I really resonate with that. And I've just seen, you know, no matter where we go, um, the the quality of the work that we do and the way that we go in to meet f- people's physical needs uh, with compassion, we do it because of Jesus in us, and we want to give uh, salvation, you know, the gospel to to people who need to hear. And so, um, I, I also love the creative process. Um, I I love uh, learning and adapting in new environments, and so that's been. Um, kind of life-giving to me to, to be able to work in so many different contexts to, to try to learn, learn the people, learn the context, and how to, how to weave the gospel in uh, no matter what we're doing from the, the relief side. And so, so now the Lord has led you somewhere else. You know, you are now heading to Liberia, and you'll be the country director there. And can you talk to me about, because we've never really gotten to talk to somebody on their way, um, how is the Lord preparing your heart? And I guess, what are you most excited about serving there? Oh, man. Um, one thing that I've thought a lot about is uh, going from multiple short-term assignments mm-hmm. where we've gone in with a, a whole new team all together um, to start something, you know, from a dart, taking it into a country office um, with a clear objective a short-term mission, we accomplish the mission, and we all, you know, mm-hmm. say, "Look at what God has done. That's great." We move on. In Liberia, you know, uh, Kendall Kaufelt was the country director there for so many years, um, and really, his DNA from his leadership style uh, is is there. It's permeated through through the team. Uh, I'm excited to join uh, a team that has so much. Uh, longevity and experience. There's a lot of benefit that comes from that. A um, little apprehensive of going in, you know, after some big shoes to fill. Uh, but I'm excited to to join the team and uh, to serve, you know. Um, certainly, I will bring a different style. You know, we, we, all, we all bring our own uh, individual characteristics and, and leadership style. So I'm excited to see, you know, how God has equipped me and what He wants to do. Ultimately, it's Him, you know, that that's sending us, and it's 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 God that has a plan. Uh, we'll see what that plan is as we get there and things unfold. Mm-hmm. And how about you? You know, preparing the kids and yeah, like again, we always hold things loosely. God, you know, this is as long as you want me. Nothing's forever, nothing's permanent, but with a more long-term goal, how are you maybe, is there, are you preparing them differently? Or I guess, how how are they feeling? Yeah, they're pretty excited. We're ready to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the kids are natural learners and researchers. Mm-hmm. So we have spent weeks um, just researching Liberia, watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. and reading books and talking to people who have lived there. So I feel like they they have that bal- um base like education level of like, okay, this is what it's going to be like. Mm. And we even showed them the the Facing the Darkness movie. Mm. Um, we were a little apprehensive to do it, but I was like, nope, they need to see this mm. and know that this is the history of this mm-hmm. country. Um, and yet they're still excited. Um, again, they've done it so much mm-hmm. that it's just kind of normal to them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are thankful that it's going to be a little longer term too, mm-hmm. because we don't like that. You know, my son will often ask, well, when's my next, where's my next birthday going to be? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we don't know, bud, you know, but we do see us staying in Liberia um, for longer if the Lord allows. Mm-hmm. And so I think that will be a huge blessing to the family to be able to possibly have some roots there for a little while and be more involved in the ministry that goes on there. Mm-hmm. Your kids sound awesome. Hope to meet them one day. Um, but yeah, what I love the way that God's even prepared their hearts and allowed them to be adaptable and excited and curious. And so um, I guess, how can we be praying for your family? Um, this is why I love getting a chance to meet you all and, and have people hear your hearts ahead of time so we can be praying with you. What are, what are I guess, your main prayer requests? What are you asking your church family and your family to pray for you for? I mean, definitely for Daniel going in like to the office, like you saying, for just his leadership there and mm-hmm. that the team will be ready for him and any changes that are to come. Um, for the family, I think just for openness, um, for peace as we settle. Uh, a side note, we had a dog for three and a half years that we're not mm-hmm. getting to take and my children are a little devastated. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that is like the only thing that they're... Um, sad about. And so Mm -hmm. (laughs) it is going to be really hard for our children to not have their family dog. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think just that we can dive into um, life there, build community quickly, and be involved. Like the kids and I want to be involved in as much of the ministry of SP and local church as we can too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely community. Um, The last year for everybody around the world with covid uh, has been difficult, and the Bahamas took a pretty strong stance uh, and locked the country down. So a lot of 2020 we spent together as a family in the house, you know, uh, not much social interaction outside the family. So uh, definitely looking forward to being in a place with other SP families, uh, other missionary families on the compound as well, um, just to to have that community and, and interaction with other, other believers. Mm-hmm. Definitely, we'll be praying, and and I love that you know when God calls, we have a response. Obviously, there's you know actions that we have to take, but it's His responsibility. You know, the gospel especially. You know, only He can penetrate hearts, and so it almost takes the pressure off and the burden off. But yet, it doesn't leave us off the hook. And so I, I guess that's what I've been studying lately is it's a both and, and it's what you're going with, and that's why we wanted to be praying with you and let you know that it's not all on you. Um, but, you know, Paul urges us many times, you know, to walk worthy. And, you know, Colossians 1.10, it's walk worthy in the manner that you've been called, you know. So there is responsibility on our part. And that's why I love getting to share the hearts of the people that are going um, because we are called and you are called and you are going to have work to do, um, but you're not going alone. So that's why I want you to know, like, we will be praying and um you have a family back here um, when you do feel alone and isolated, but I'm glad that you know a little bit about what you're going into. Um, 
And so, yeah. So, and again, hopefully we'll get to talk to you a lot while you're there and get updates. And um, and I guess I want to know too, and we talked about a little bit, how you're a prayerful family. You are obviously in the Word. Um, one of my favorite verses in ministry is Matthew 11, you know, 28 through 30. You know, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, you know, and learn from me um, because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Um, so I guess I want to know from people that have been serving for so many years in so many different places, how has that verse and that promise encouraged you personally um, and your family? And um, how do you take upon his yoke, you know, and know, okay, I'm doing too much. I've got to, you know, come back and get, get under his yoke. How have you watched God harness you? I, I don't know if that's a word or a good word for this, but how have you done that over the years in ministry? And how, you know, and now going into a new unknown, how are you gonna, okay, God, it's you, you know, that's gonna give me the rest. Um, how have you prevented yourself from burnout in ministry? Well, I think one blessing has been that the Lord, just in our marriage, like balances it out, right? Mm-hmm. Like where I can see Him struggling and mm-hmm. encourage Him to to take a break, take a day off. Um, or when I'm struggling, He's in a, having a strong day and can really come in and encourage me and tell me everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so thankfully, we don't have bad days together for the most part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just, you know, yeah, like a blessing in the marriage for, for both of us. Um, what do you have to say? Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I was just thinking about, um, I like to go back to John 15 and that imagery of uh, being part of the vine. Um, it's, it's not me that produces good fruit. It's, it's not me that is a great leader or possesses these characteristics like, the burden's not on me, mm-hmm. it's on God. Um, and so staying rooted in God and knowing that uh, I'm only where I am because God wants me to be there. Um, and so he's gonna prune me in the right way in order to produce what he wants to, to, to produce through me. Um, so I think that that's really helpful. You know, I'm not taking it on myself, uh, although I do. Obviously, you know, I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to to perform and and to do well, to serve well. Um, but I think when I when I feel that pressure that it, and it feels like it's too much, um, I kind of go back to that and, and remind myself that really it's God's work. And as long as we're faithful um, and trusting and uh, staying rooted in the Lord. It's him who who's producing those good fruits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's so good. I do love that passage. Um, I'm sure there's so many that come to your mind, but can you both maybe share a story where you've seen God work in a in a life or transformed a community or you know just a powerful story that you've gotten to witness because you said yes? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if this one will answer that question, but it's one that comes to mind today when we were in Niger. Um, that was his first job with Samaritan's Purse. And we were, you know, new and our kids were little. And I really wanted to take them out, like, on a field visit with Daniel. And the team was very apprehensive about it. 
um, just because our kids were so small. They were like, they're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. It's too hard. And and we pushed and we pushed and we finally did. And we drove like six or seven hours out to like the sub base in the country. Nice. And we stayed wow. the night. And then the next day we were going to go on this field visit with Daniel. And we had to have armed guards, mm-hmm. like vehicles mm-hmm. to get out and, and all this. Um, but it was amazing because like the whole village was there for this event and they were just like in awe that we did bring our kids and that mm-hmm. they sat there and they got dirty. And it was like a, a barrier breaker um, mm-hmm. for us. And then my kids got to see it. Do they remember that day? No, <laughs> they don't. But we met this man who lived in the village, him and his wife, and they were evangelists with SP. And he had built this oven and he was like the bread baker for this mm. village um, because they're there was no close town anywhere near. And that was like his ministry to the village. Um, to, he made bread and sold it. Like it was his way of earning income, but he was like the village evangelist. And that village did see a lot of change. And then it just really inspired me and um, the kids. And when we left, I actually started baking bread after that because mm. it just was like impactful. Um, but it always takes me back to the Bible verses um, from the Old Testament and even Jesus quoted where like, man doesn't live on bread alone. We must mm. live on the word of God. And that's just been something that we've seen through the ministry, like mm. making taking it all back to the word and the gospel and in our family's lives of like being strong in the word mm. and having that foundation for our children too. Man, my, my mind is like, it's like flipping through a Rolodex of experiences mm-hmm. and interactions. And um, it's hard to pin down like one specific uh, interaction. I just think about um, times spent in the midst of, okay, so I'll go, I'll go with this direction. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the busyness and the chaos of mm-hmm. the work and uh, especially, you know, in a relief context. It's easy to be caught up in what needs to get done. Um, the times that have have meant so much to me is is when I usually not by by myself, uh, not to give myself credit, but it's when someone else reminds me to slow down and come over here and sit with with this uh, lady from northeast Syria who left with her kids and traveled across Turkey and went in a dinghy across the. Mm-hmm the Aegean and uh, wants to fry some fish, you know, and give give you and tell mm-hmm. you your, her story and uh, give of, of the little that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the those small uh, instances, what, what we might think as small, right? Like when there's all the work that needs to get done, who has the time to, to do that? But it's in those moments where um, you don't think that you're doing anything productive or giving, uh, but actually like in in the stopping and listening to someone's story um, that there's a this connection that, that the spirit, I think it's the spirit that mm-hmm. brings through um, when humans can connect on such a, a basic uh, and personal level. Uh, and then that's where you get those great conversations where you, you can share the gospel and share your heart for, why you're there? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, why have you picked your family up to move mm-hmm. around the world uh, just for this person that's in a, a, a refugee camp or uh, whatever the situation might be? So, 
I know, and I'm sure there's so many that come to mind. And I, I always think, you know, we need to like write these down because <laughs> not that you'd forget, but like on any given moment, you, a different one might come to your mind. But I think, you know, Jesus, like you said, he modeled that so well. You know, he would be on his way to something and someone would call him or touch his cloak and, you know, he would stop. And, you know, even the disciples would kind of, we got to get going. We have somewhere to be, you know. Um, I think of one of my favorites is, you know, when the bleeding woman, you know, touched his cloak and he stopped and they were on their way to save someone that was dying, you know, a very high profile person's son. And, you know, it didn't matter. That person needed his eye contact, his, you know, just you're important, you're enough, you know. And I think it probably is overwhelming when you're meeting so many different needs and you have so many different tasks to be reminded of that. Um, but I think it's important to have that balance. I mean, yes, we have work to do, but maybe God brought someone in here. And I just always think, oh, who did I miss today, Lord? Because I was so busy and tunnel vision on what I had to do. And oftentimes it's my kids that I miss. You know, I can go through the whole day doing these important things and they needed something. And so I just always like to ask that because sometimes— Hearing that encourages us to see the people in front of us, and I, I love that. And I'm sure in that in that situation, there was an overwhelm, I and mean, there were thousands of people that needed something. Um, but you're right; sometimes just sitting and allowing them that time to maybe share. What did you What did you leave? What I mean, I can't even imagine. Um, and that's why I just thank you for your willingness to go because. There are so many needs, but I, we actually just talked to recently Dr. Russ White, um, one of the doctors in Tenwick, and he said, you know, as a surgeon, they're very task-oriented and always wanting to do stuff, and that's his biggest struggle is the stopping and sipping tea with somebody. He doesn't want to spend hours. He's got work to do, and so God's constantly keeping him check. But he said something, you know, about when Jesus said, you know, the poor will always be among you. You know, I will only be here a short time, you know, when he was telling him, listen to what I have to say. And he said he can sometimes sub the sick, you know, as a doctor. There's always going to be sick. There's always going to be needs. But I will, you know, but come to me. So it's like we have to actually come to Jesus every day. What do you want me to do today? What What is on, you know, to take away from this running list. Um, and I think to-do lists are important. We were just talking about this, but it's, God, what do you want me to be? What do you want, you know, instead of all these to-dos, who do you want me to be? And that never changes, you know, a child of God, a, a mother, a, you know, a spouse, you know, those things we need to be pursuing and then everything else will get done. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you— shared so much about the good, uh, but real quick, and, and as you, I already asked you how we could be praying, but this kind of ties into what are the challenges? I mean, you mentioned you had to, you're going to have to leave your dog behind. That's a heart, that's a heartache. I know. I mean, my kids would be <laughs> devastated. Um, so I guess what are the challenges and the, the things that you're having to do? And now you're in crunch time, you're a couple weeks out. So what are the, maybe the things that have been difficult and the things that you've had to kind of give up um, in preparation? Yeah, I mean, well, I think community is always the most difficult, right? Like, as much as my kids are used to this lifestyle, mm -hmm. they are naturally introverts. Mm -hmm. And so, like, making friends is not easy for them. And so, like, they get anxious about that. Um, mm -hmm. And so, like, just having that—we recognize that community is so important. Mm -hmm. um, and so just praying that, that God is going to provide that quickly for us and for our kids. And it's hard, like, mm -hmm. to constantly—we have friends around the world, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm not a great long distance friend though. And mm-hmm. so like you're constantly making friends and then you're constantly saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. And that, it gets really old and tiring. Um, but God has been faithful to provide those friends and I know he's going to in this mm-hmm. context as well. And so in that, I rejoice like that mm-hmm. I know he's going to. Um, honestly, I feel like that's the biggest challenge especially for the family, like having the kids. Like we've worked through the education difficulties for the most part, and we've worked through other challenges. Um, They've gotten used to packing and not having, Mm -hmm. like they recognize that they don't have as much as a typical American family with toys, you know, like they get their box that they get to pack, whatever fits goes. And beyond that, you are getting rid of it. And those aren't the real challenges. It's it's more of the the goodbyes Mm -hmm. that are hard and family that we have to see and say, see you next year. Mm-hmm. That gets hard. I was, I was just thinking, <clears throat> uh, one of the, one of the benefits of, it's a benefit and a, a challenge of living in some of the contexts where we've lived and being so close to, um, the effects of sin mm-hmm. in the world whether that's natural evils through natural disaster or uh, moral evils, you know, um, crimes, atrocities, things committed by man, it's it's good because it it exposes my kids to the reality of the world, mm-hmm. um, and that's important. And I think that that can be challenging sometimes in the U.S. You know, depending on where you are, um, but I also feel kind of the weight of that and how to balance between helping them understand uh, why we do what we do and why uh, these terrible things can happen to people um, and then still sheltering them, right? Like mm-hmm. they're still children and mm-hmm. they still have an innocence, uh, but they, they need to be prepared for the world. And so I think that that's a, a difficult one that weighs on my mind is, you know, balancing how much to share with them, mm-hmm. how, how to prepare them at each uh, season of life as they grow. Um, and also how to protect them, you know, mm-hmm. from from some of the things that are uh, close to us that are going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, these kids, I mean, they're already so resilient and so probably know more than even some adults, you know, from what they've seen. And, and you're right, but how, how to tell them in a bite-sized, you know, I know that's a struggle for us too, but... I can't wait to see what God does in their life. And just, it's exciting that you are excited to bring them along. You know, I think that's what keeps a lot of people from going overseas is, oh, I don't want to rob my kids or, you know, whatever. And yes, there are sacrifices and there are hard, but there are so many blessings. And so mm-hmm. that's what I love hearing from you guys. It's like, you're you're almost just seeing the blessings. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not naive to that there are hardships, but um, that's what we found too in the military with the kids. Like they had to say goodbye so many times, but you get to meet new friends. You yeah. know, we wouldn't have known you had we not have come here. And so your life is enhanced. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes it's hard because like you said, they're, we're not good at keeping in touch either. So it's like, I feel like my life is like a book, you know, and each mm-hmm. chapter is a place we've been and some are longer than others, but you don't want to close it. it. It is a whole book and, you know, it's a whole, and I guess, experiences to enhance on. Um, but it does come from a loss, you know, but it's also a blessing. So embracing both is important. So thank you so much for making time. I know you guys are busy here and, you know, your final week preparing, but we appreciate getting to know you and getting to know your hearts. I think that's the 
The beauty of this ministry is we have so many amazing people serving the Lord, but the the, the bad is we might not meet them this side mm-hmm. of heaven, you know, here on earth, um, which is exciting. I can't wait for heaven. You know, it's mm-hmm. like we're gonna have all these great people and get to hear what God did um, in and through Samaritan's Purse, but we don't always get to physically meet them. So that's why we appreciate you taking the time so people can hear your hearts, know how to pray. Is there anything else as we were talking? I know sometimes I kind of like having both of you in here because sometimes when it's a one-on-one interview, you don't always have time to think and process. And so I think, I, you know, it's kind of nice you can actually think while they're talking. Is there anything else that you want to share that you've learned over your many years um, serving with Samaritan's Purse that you'd like to share with our staff and families? I'm, I'm, we are so thankful for Samaritan's Purse, though. I mean, mm-hmm. that we have had the opportunity to work with the ministry in so many different capacities and mm-hmm. that we do get to take our children. And we know that SP cares for our family. Mm-hmm. And it would be harder to go as a family if it were just him and he mm-hmm. was doing this. Right, like mm-hmm. we know they're going to take care of us, mm-hmm. that we're going to have a house that's decent and we are well provided for. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have anything to worry about in that regard. Um and that allows us then to go and to take part. And so we are very thankful mm-hmm. for Samaritan's Purse and that opportunity to be involved. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know I was encouraged by hearing Daniel and Jessica's testimony and the way the Lord has led their family. And it's an honor and a joy to send them off to Liberia to be praying for them as they settle in. So please be praying for them, praying for their family, that the Lord will just go before them and um, confirm where He has called them as they serve in Liberia. Also, we have launched a special episode on the podcast, On the Ground of Samaritan's Purse. If you don't tune in and listen, I encourage you to go. We just released our first episode for a series called Ordinary People Serving an Extraordinary God. We started this series with someone that I worked with over 15 years ago in Thailand. I encourage you to listen to Marg Baker, a longtime partner with Samaritan's Purse. She impacted my life greatly and continues to encourage me today. And, and as you listen, you'll, you'll be able to hear her wonderful testimony and her service to the Lord. But if it makes you think of someone that's impacted you in your life, I encourage you to, to recommend or to nominate them to us because we would love to hear their story as well. We're gonna periodically be introducing um, this special episode called Ordinary People Serving an Extraordinary God. And so if, if someone comes to your mind, a staff member, a volunteer, a partner, um, someone that maybe is low profile, um, the rest of the ministry might not hear their story, but they've done amazing things for the kingdom of God. Please let us know so we can reach out to them. If you, if you think of someone, email us at onthegroundatsamaritan.org and maybe give a, a short little um, summary of why you think this person would be great for the podcast. Again, I encourage you to check out On the Ground with Samaritan's Purse. Our first episode was released the other day with Mark Baker. I know you'll be challenged and encouraged to hear her story. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you have a great day. Bye.